What's going on, everybody? My name is Tyler, and I'm a responsible man. I am Kylie, and I am also a responsible man. This is Responsible Man. It's a show where Kylie and I discuss things responsibly, and this uh, time we are talking about our top ten favorite albums. That's just what we're going to call it? Yeah. Top ten, al- so. top yeah. ten albums? Top ten albums. The, like, the objective uh, ten greatest albums Mine was basically of all time. like that you could listen to, like, beginning, to, not skip a song. Yeah, like, like no skips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the albums that are great from front to back. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we kind of did like no compilation albums or no greatest hits. So you couldn't or... do like the Eagles' greatest hits. You yeah, know those, yeah. The, that's not fair. There's a Rolling Stones one I have that I think is like, is it Hot Rocks or whatever, that yeah. double disc where it's like, it's amazing, but right. it's just, all it is is a greatest hits. Yeah, that, that that's not fair. So, I didn't do any soundtracks or anything like that I either. did two soundtracks, but it's all original okay. Stuff. It's not like a compilation okay. of music like soundtracks usually are. So Th- there was an early version of my list where I had Hamilton on it, and then it it, it was one of the first ones that kind of when I started kind of cutting down. I was like, no, this doesn't really feel like that's what this because it's not an album. It's a show. You know, it's a mm. it's a show. In in that case, it's a Broadway show. It's just the audio from that. It didn't really feel like that, that was. Sense. Yeah, it didn't belong here. So, um, a lot of mine. So. Usually when we do these, we kind of rank them, and I, mine kind of is, but at the same time, I feel like any of my 10 could be any... Oh, yeah. This one for me was really hard, so mine's more just a 10, not necessarily 10 oh, okay. ranked. Mine, mine, uh, yeah, I, I did do the ranking, but it was like, there were so many that, like, but I want this to be on here, yeah. and then I'd move it over, and like, well, no... This needs to be that, so that one has to move back out into like honorable mentions. So, I went yeah, through was, like my whole gigantic Spotify playlist last mm-hmm. night and just like went through just to make sure. Like, am I forgetting? Oh, I'm sure. I, I have no doubt. I've I've forgotten something, but like I even went down and like looked through all my CDs and just remember those things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember CDs. Uh, I really want. There's like one or two uh, Marilyn Manson albums I really wanted to put on here, and I get. I don't know if. The uh, Phoenix Rising thing is still just too fresh, but they're they're not on here. But uh, that was that was something I kind of struggled with a bit. Where I'm like, oh man, this was a year ago we did this, and like you know, this, this is definitely have some there. So I'm gonna start us off here if I can get my my list pulled up. And I feel like uh, this is quickly kind of becoming a thing that's like kind of outdated because people don't really listen to albums that not even not necessarily like the physical i'm just even mean like even digital it's like singles like yeah when people put out a new album now i feel like people listen to one or two songs or maybe they'll listen to the whole album maybe one time and then they pick their favorites maybe. add them to a playlist yeah. and then those other songs are lost to the void that's why i always like the cd because a, a lot of these that i've picked on my list are ones that like you know what this when i pulled this out and put it in my cd player in my car it's it was in there for a long time. Oh yeah, and then it would come back again. Like they're, they're just ones that was, were always on. Used to go through that phase, like when an album would come out, you just like run it into the ground. Oh, like, yeah. It would be in your car for like a solid month, yeah. basically yeah. just on repeat. And uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't know about for you, but I feel like for a lot of my favorite artists and bands and that, like m- nine times out of ten, I feel like my favorite uh, nine times out of ten, <laughs> my favorite song is probably. Some deeper Deep cut, cut song yeah. that's on, you know what I mean? So I, it's weird to me. It's like, are those songs not going to get listened to anymore, like going forward? You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I always end up finding something better. That, and I don't know if it's just like the hipster and you trying to like 
yeah, the the hits are cool, but what about this song? Well, like, yeah. I don't know. I always seem like I find some gem somewhere that I'm like, I fucking love this song. It's crazy. I mean, if you know how the all the payola and everything works with radio stations, like there's certain songs that are made just for like this is going to be the radio hit. This yeah. is the one we're pushing for radio. This is. And then you listen to the album, you're like, oh shit, there's. I always find the best stuff. ones of those though are the ones that aren't intentional because sometimes you can you can feel it when a song was written to be a hit and sometimes it just doesn't chart for very long or it doesn't chart at all. Mm-hmm. And then there's other ones that are like, it, we just wrote it, didn't think it was even going to make the album, let alone right. be a single, and it ends up being the, the best song. It ends up being like their biggest hit or whatever. And it's like it's it's never when you're trying to write a hit song. That that's um, never a, a formula. I feel like to. To succeed, I just read an article because um, I think it was like an anniversary of Pretty Hate Machine, Nine Inch Nails' first album, mm-hmm. and they were saying uh, he, Trent Reznor was saying that uh, for the longest time he really hated Head Like a Hole mm-hmm. because he that song he threw together like in, they need one more song for the album and he threw it together in like fifteen minutes. Yeah. He's like that was the one, and he's like, but I I antagonized over all these other ones, <laughs> right. you know, like they, they meant so much. And this was just this throwaway song. And that's I've heard what, that so many times where like the hit song on an album was like the last, it was the last yeah. day in the studio. Like, <laughs> I don't know if like, that's just something people say. Cause I've heard it so many times. They're like, does that really happen that often? We're like we needed one more song yeah. or, or they say it came together in like 15, 20 minutes. Like mm-hmm. it just happened. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Who the hell? I never had a hit song. What the fuck? <laughs> So, uh, my number 10 is the album The Poison from Bullet For My Valentine. Okay. Um, this is their 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 first legitimate studio album. They had uh, like a, an EP before this that was really kind of their first. But I mean, this was their first legit. We're a, we're a band. Oh, okay. Now, right? we, got, we got a full legit album. Uh, this came out on October 3rd, 2005 in, in the UK. It came out early 2006 in the States. So it was like a three, four months later. Mm-hmm. Um, it came in the UK from Visible Noise and Trust Kill Records. Um, as of 2018, this is a couple years ago, but it was one and a half, a little over one and a half million copies been sold. So that's you know th- four years ago. Um, it, it's definitely one of the albums that made me want to play guitar. I think it still maybe has my favorite guitar tone on that album. Like I just I love the sounds of the guitars mm-hmm. on that album. And it's a it's a perfect mix of like uh, like clean and dirty vocals, you know. Like it's 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 a it's a metal album. It's a metal core album, I guess. Um, super, you know, super thrashy guitar, super fast drums, and it's you know they got like three guys that are doing vocals, so it's kind of back and forth uh, of singing, and then guys you know screaming behind them or whatever. Are they a band that changes their? guitar tone throughout albums or is it one that um, like it's so similar it's, yeah it's similar but it's almost kind of like you just never captured that like i don't know i don't know if they've ever captured that tone that was on that you know i, I got i would almost say it's similar to like i think the best guitar tone metallica ever had is on master of puppets i don't i don't think they ever mm-hmm. got a better guitar sound and, you, and i don't know if it was like the mics or the amps or you know what i mean or the pickups in the guitar whatever it was but they never quite recaptured that same. The guitars didn't sound exactly the same again as they did, gotcha. you know. And sometimes maybe it's just the room or whatever it is that day on that at that time. Those amps in that room, you know. I don't know, but uh, I I love that album. The uh, 
let's see. It, it, it's it's like I said, they mix a lot of a lot of clean singing with with screaming, and it's it's an album that's like it's heavy when it needs to be. It's melodic when it needs to be. Um, the the big song on that album was Tears Don't Fall. That was like their big. That was like their big kind of. I don't want to call it a radio hit because it was kind of heavy for radio, but some rock stations played it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a really good debut album. They, they they came out firing on all cylinders, and they're they're a band that I've kind of fallen in and out of love with over time. But that first album still is just like. Fuck. Has the band changed up throughout time, or is it uh, still the uh, same? No, they've there's. I mean, I think the majority of them are still there, but I think uh, I know the bass player is different now, and I, I I don't know, and I think they might have changed drummers too. That I'm not sure, but I know the for sure the bass player is different, and he was one of the like main like backup screamer guys in the band. So when he left, it definitely sounded different. But okay. they they still put on an awesome show. I've seen them quite a few times live. They still put on an awesome show, but. And there, there are a couple albums that followed the Poison are still pretty good, but I feel like they kind of get progressively worse. Mm. So I don't know that that first album was was fucking sweet. So the Poison the, is one of those that uh, the Poison or the yeah, Poison the Poison. Okay, the Poison. Yep, yeah, that's my number ten. I don't know my I, I actually have my CD, so I got my number ten oh, is sure. actually the, the one of the soundtracks. Uh, it's the Dust Brothers uh, soundtrack to Fight Club. This oh, okay. was back in '99, I believe. Um, is which is really weird for me because it's not anything that like. I I think if you'd see, I'm like I'm pretty eclectic with my musical taste, mm-hmm. but for for this album to be in such a heavy rotation for me for like the techno-y electronic stuff that it is is very rare for me. Um, it, it also helps that I really love the shit out of the movie. As sure. Well. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's just good. I, there's no, that's not something I, I would have guessed was going to be on your list. For I sure. think the last song has Brad Pitt, like reciting lines throughout music and stuff. But it's, there's, there's no, you know, there's no songs. It's just mm, music. It's just that's, music. And I don't know. I love it. It fits really good with the style of the movie too. Yeah. Yeah, Fight Club. Fight Club's got some some great stuff throughout the movie. Uh, yeah. I just assume, I have never listened to the soundtrack necessarily, but oh, yeah, it's, I'm just playing back scenes in my head, thinking like, oh yeah, yeah, music Fight Club's fucking sweet. Yeah, it's it's very sweet. I'd check it out if you if you haven't listened to just the. If is you it like just is it like one CD guy in. that did it or like who's who did the. The music dust, for it. it's the Dust Brothers, so I don't know who <laughs> the, dust the Dust Brothers are. Wow. Um, Shout out to I, the I Dust Brothers. Yeah. It's, there you go. Like I said, I this is something that would totally not be like I wouldn't have a lot of this in my collection, right. but it just hits it hits for me. Hell yeah. Very much. Is it something that you like you listen to regularly, like outside oh, yeah. of watching Fight Club? You oh, just yeah. put the oh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's that's yeah, there's very few soundtracks like that where I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in. Because <laughs> it's just it's just good. I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's, yeah, it's like the Care Bears soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, oh there you go. <laughs> so sometimes you just gotta put it on and rage. <laughs> All right. My number nine uh, is an album I talked about not too long ago, actually, on our uh, normal podcast. Oh, this yeah. is Is it the Beatles? No. Oh. This is uh r- the album Red from Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. Um, Which version? Uh, I mean, I, I'm 
gonna mostly be talking about the original one, but I mean, uh-huh. the, obviously the the Taylor's version is the the superior one now, but it's newer, so it's still. But originally released on October twenty second, two thousand twelve, uh, Taylor's version released November twelfth, twenty twenty one. So. Um, Pretty pretty recent. The original was under Big Machine Records, who's the company that you know Taylor Swift's trying to get her music back from and, and couldn't. Uh, this was Taylor's fourth studio album, featured seven singles, four of which peaked in the top ten of the U.S., which is fucking sweet. Uh, album spent seven weeks at, on the top spot in the U.S. Billboard 200, making Swift the first female artist and the second artist ever since the Beatles to have three consecutive albums spend at least six weeks at number one, which is kind of crazy. Certified seven times platinum and was promoted, and she promoted the Red Tour with it, which is the most successful tour in country music history, grossing over 150 million dollars. Pretty crazy. Uh, critics were kind of divided over the inconsistencies in the styles of Red because Red was really kind of her uh, transition from country to pop. So they're, like, there's still country influences throughout red and but you can see that it's it's different this is where she first kind of starts tiptoeing out of country music to where the following album was 1989 that was like head first yeah now we're we're just we're the queen of pop now but um so there was division critically when this album came out because it's like well it's not really in line with what she you know people are kind of accusing her of like she's too she's just kind of trying to get more radio and more mainstream with the pop stuff and you know i guess maybe she was because that's where she went but mm-hmm. um i think over time it's it's considered a favorite by a lot of people you know taylor swift fans all kind of have their album you could talk to a million of them and there's not really like one definitive like this is the best taylor swift album but like there's there's a group of people including myself that think this is her best one best. um the first song written for the album was the song all too well which considered to be her greatest song i think by a lot of people including me and that was the one that got the big 10 minute version on the oh yeah on the okay. on the taylor's version of the album because when she originally wrote the song it was like 10 minutes long back in 2012 and then they were like this is you know ridiculous <laughs> and so it's too much you know throughout the recording of that album she eventually knocked it down to about like the five and a half minute version that's on the original mm. version of red so when she got to do taylor's version it was like i'm giving i'm doing the original nice. version of all too well which is superior like the, the 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 full i mean you know if you could argue that like there's not a need for a 10 minute song I, that's fine but like it's a really good 10 minute song. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's repetitive like it's just the same you know what i mean like there, there's mo- more stuff like way more stuff so uh yeah and I, I I talked about this a little bit uh, last time I talked about this album, but it was just a weekly pick, so it was kind of more brief. But this album came out in like a kind of like transitional period of my life, and so I just I listened to this album a lot. And it, it you know the jokes Taylor Swift writes a lot of songs about like breakups and blah blah blah. But um, I was ending one long term relationship with somebody I'd been with for a long time, and then also the early stages of my relationship with Mary that we've been together now for 10 years. This album came out 10 years ago. Um, and so I don't know that the, the songs on that album are just really relatable to me at the time when they came out. So it's just, it always kind of holds like a special place for me. Right on. 
Well, I wish I had the copious amount of notes that you uh, you obviously did for you. Because like it's like half the songs are like the kind of like sad, you know. So like I had that, but then like the other ones that were like the happier ones, ones, it was like oh, like so I I had something to relate to for for both instances. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, I've never really been necessarily been a Taylor Swift fan. Sure. It's nothing that I would like shit on somebody for listening to and like, and you know a lot of people would and of course that's yeah, fine that's just how people are she she doesn't need anyone <laughs> you know barbara walters says she is the music industry at this point and that's kind of factual so. <laughs> so that's my number nine all right my number nine is a live album oh this spent a long time in my career. I have two of those on my list, and it's my top two. It's one and no two. No shit. Okay. Two. Yeah. This is Metallica's live ship, Binge and Purge, Mexico City. It's a great album. Um, it's also massive. <laughs> it's yeah, it's huge. It's like it's three discs, right? Yeah. yeah it's because I think it's like three or four nights in Mexico. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so. yeah. But um, this, um, I was I was introduced to Metallica with Justice for All, which I I, I can safely say that's my favorite. That's that just has a. It's a, there has a spot for me, so that that's of the be my of favorite. the studio recorded albums, yes, I would say yes. Exactly, yeah. there, okay. there, there's an exemption, oh, okay. yeah, that, that'll show up later. Um, so then the black album came out, and that's when they just exploded. Yeah, um, and, they sold out, man. Yeah. Um, but you know, <laughs> understand, you listen man, to the man. black album forever and ever and ever, and then they released this. I remember going to the midnight release of this, and it came mm-hmm. in like this little. It looked like a like a, like a roadie case yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It almost um, like a little amp. Th- almost yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it had the mine came with VHS tapes. Um, I think it had like a T-shirt in it and like a there was like a, a book decal with some stencil yeah. on it and it had like and, the "Don't Tread on Me" snake thing, whatever, yeah. which I wouldn't wear anywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but back in 91, you'd be like, oh, this is cool. But because they were so, I mean, I was getting like all the CD singles they'd release and they'd have live versions of whatever. And um, because there was just nothing after the Black Album for so long, I mean, this is this is what I was getting. And this I listened to this in just an ass load. And I think I was telling you the story. I was telling Kenny the story because at work when a song is on or something, I'll, every now and then I'll just yell, I'll just add motherfucker just yeah. like you know at the end of the song yeah. or like in the middle of the song or something and i just always did it and it wasn't until i believe it's fade to black on this it came on a playlist at work and and i heard it and it just all the memories came back because i you, i listened to the crap out of this album by the way that's that's the definitive version of fade to black, oh, fade to black the, the, the live in mexico like that one that's okay. that's the fade to black but it's like right when they right before they start to rock out near yeah. the end and he's like goodbye motherfucker <laughs> and i go that's where i got this from that is where i got throwing motherfucker into just wherever and it uh, works it, it works well <laughs> there's there's a part in the um <laughs> There's a part in the live version of of uh, Fade of Black too from the Mexico City because the, the joke on James Hetfield is like yes, lots yeah, of yes, yeah. <laughs> and it, there, there's one where he does like. Um, like six of them in a row in that in the binge of Persia where he's like yeah 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 yeah, yeah! <laughs> it's just like man <laughs> but yeah this this uh, this got a lot of a lot of play it's. Probably needs some uh, of the discs. Probably need to be cleaned up a little <laughs> bit. But yep, that's fucking. They play everything. Oh yeah, on, no, I know. That's what's too. so great about it because you're. Oh it's, oh, it's just such a good album. The live version of uh, Harvester of Sorrow is fantastic. Yeah. 
I mean, they're all good. I don't think there's any of them that don't work live, but right. there's certain ones that are like, yeah, that's fucking way better than the than the one on the album. Yeah, no, it's it, it's <sighs> it's, it's a pretty, good one. Pretty fucking sweet. Pretty yes. fucking sweet. Well, that's my nine. All right, my eight. So we're changing genres again. We went from metal <laughs> to uh, country pop to uh, my number eight is the album Recovery from Eminem. Uh, this okay. was released on June 18th, 2010 from Aftermath Entertainment, Shady, and Interscope Records. Uh, it's Eminem's seventh studio album. It features collaborations with Pink, Lil Wayne, Rihanna, and more. Uh, had four singles. Recovery debuted at number one in the U.S. and reached number one in 16 different countries, and it was the best-selling album worldwide in 2010. Oh, shit. Uh, and it was, it, was a, it was a rebirth for Eminem because he had kind of... Like, there's few people I've seen kind of, like, end their careers and come back. And, like, Britney Spears is one of those. Like, I'm not the biggest Britney Spears fan, but I definitely have respect to a point where, like, when she went through all of her shit and, you know, shaved her head and threw shit at the paparazzi and the whole the whole works, right? It was like, well, yeah. she's done. And then, like, a year later when she came back with the Womanizer album and all of a sudden it was like, fuck, Britney's back. And she was, like, back on top again. Um, recovery for Eminem what his his last album had really not done well and there was a lot of concerns about his mental state his health he'd been in you know the media for all the wrong reasons and his kids custody and blah 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 yeah. and then he had actually overdosed on, he got he had an addiction to to sleeping pills and had overdosed on vicodin and um when he first came after his uh, overdose. He put out an album called Relapse, which was the album before Recovery, and it was just messy. It was all over the place, and it, it really didn't do well. And then, so he the uh, the one after Relapse was Recovery, and this was kind of like, oh shit, Eminem's back. It was it was merely you know flew to the top of all the charts and everything. It's a fantastic album, and it was really kind of like a lot of the songs on there are talking about his rec- his recovery, his rehab, and blah blah blah, kind of starting over and him getting clean and doing a lot of different things. And it was, I don't know. I, I love to kind of see somebody go to the bottom and then all of a sudden just kind of come back. And, um, the lead single off that, off that album is not afraid. I remember when that video came out and it was like, immediately it, it was just a common consensus. Like, well, shit, Eminem's back. Like, <laughs> you know, it just, it, no, no one was like, well, look, he's not in the toilet anymore. Fuck. Yeah. Shady's back. back I, I couldn't have told you he ever went anywhere to be honest with you. <laughs> I guess you're you're not in the the main you know yeah. limelight of of you're not following what's trendy. I, I don't, don't want to say trendy, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and I like Eminem enough. I mean, sure. I, I rap music is definitely not on no, the top not for of me my either. list at all. But no. um, <clears throat> what was his? I don't want to say his first album because it probably isn't his first album. But like the the big the the, the, the first. The first one that most people know is the Marshall Mathers LP. That was the okay. So whatever was after that, Eminem show, I think that's was the one that's after it. that. Okay. I own that. I actually oh, yeah. own that's, that. That's fantastic. That's, that's, that has yeah. some good stuff. Yeah, like yeah, like I, there's even though I don't I don't like country or rap or there, it doesn't mean I don't own stuff and there doesn't sure. mean there's stuff that I, I yeah. don't you know that I can't like. I listen to a little bit of everything. Yeah, as you've seen with my list so far. Yeah, my shit will go from like classical to like Metallica. Yeah, like, you know I'm all over the place. I'll have you know heavy screaming and you know double bass or drums and whatever to Taylor Swift to, to, to Eminem cussing into a microphone, <laughs> and it's all it's all sweet. I mean Eminem for me, and I think it's kind of a generational thing, but just like 
for me being young when that the I mean it was like a movement like when Eminem oh, yeah. rose yeah, yeah. to it was just like everybody was a part of it mm. almost. Well, that's my godson Ahmed. He that's his favorite. I mean he's. He's just so he's a kid, and he loves Eminem. Right. I don't think you should be listening to Eminem, but whatever. I mean, I was listening to Eminem <laughs> way younger than I should have been. Oh, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure. Yeah. But it was just everywhere. It was there. It yeah. was everywhere. I mean, it was like the first time you really saw. Like I, I know a lot of other people in hip hop and stuff don't like Eminem getting more credit than they feel like he deserves, but because not like he invented it or anything else, but he really did put it in front of people that had never experienced you know what i mean all of a sudden post eminem all of a sudden like every suburban living room on mtv is listening to eminem you know what i mean it it just it was different it wasn't rap was so underground before eminem true really you know what i mean not completely we're like it's hush hush people don't know about it but not midwestern white kids certainly you know what i mean so it was just it's just different dude what he did for that style of music and to be able to still be doing it all this time later is, is incredible. And that's, that's my favorite album of his is recovery. It's, it's, it's awesome. Nice. So right on. my number eight, <clears throat> my number eight is my second soundtrack on my list. And again, probably goes with like liking the My the Little movie. Pony. It's My Little Pony. No, it's a Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me. Oh, uh, okay. Um, this is a shocker to nobody. It's a <laughs> well, it's just it's um, it's like jazzy, bluesy stuff, like lots of saxophone. And, uh, it's I don't know. It's moody. It's very mm-hmm. atmospheric and moody. Um, it's uh, uh, the guy who pretty much does all of the music for David Lynch, Angelo uh, Badalamenti, mm-hmm. um, did this. I mean, David Lynch has does a couple songs on there with him as well. Really? Oh yeah, David Lynch has re- released a few albums. He's he's, really? he's all over. He's an artist. He's a painter. He's a oh, musician. I, I did he's, not know that. Yeah, I thought he was just a director. Oh no, he's um yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 really good. It's. Again, it's it's weird for like this to be like this is going to be in my car for a long yeah. amount of time just because yeah. it's like just this weird jazzy blues because it's not something like somebody get in your car and exactly. you like start like, the car the and they're like what the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, for the most part, it is just musical. There are a couple. There's like a Julie Crew song. Um, there is another one uh, which I love the song. It's called "Sycamore Trees" by Jimmy Scott. Um, and it's not actually from the movie Firewalk with Me. It was from the last episode of Twin Peaks, and it was never released on any soundtracks. But they put it on here, and uh, it's that's just an awesome song. It's just hmm. really kind of dark. And again, you got the saxophone, the jazzy stuff, and it's it's hot and heavy on there. It's hot, it's hot <laughs> and heavy, really hot and heavy. But yeah, didn't have the Seinfeld soundtrack on your. <laughs> Nope, not until they release it. Jesus is one. I probably do, do need to just get off my ass and buy a digital copy of that. <sighs> I've listened to it a few times on Spotify. Yeah. There's a couple of gems. Some that you almost kind of forget about. The one that makes me laugh every time it comes on is that fucking Kramer on his on his bus tour. That oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Fuck! Uh, oh yeah, I forget." That. Or the one like, where he's running from the the uh, cable guy. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, it's so intense too. Yeah, that It always turns into Seinfeld. All right, my number seven is another album that is kind of like 
I think a generational gap. I think when you this is one of those bands when you bring up there's like two reactions to them depending on the age that you were. Um, it's another debut album. My number seven is the album Hybrid Theory from Linkin Park. Oh, okay. And this is another one of those that, you know, if you were a certain age mm-hmm. at that time when this album came out, it was just like... You'd, it was everywhere. It you'd was... Ne- and you'd never heard anything like that. You know, it was so... And, you know, I, I've heard some people call kind of rope Linkin Park in with kind of that new metal scene from the late... I, I never mm. considered them that because I, ne- I never felt like they were that heavy to be necessary. like when i think of new metal the, from the late 90s or 2000s i'm thinking of like limp biscuit obviously yeah, i'm thinking yeah. of slipknot like bands that were heavy but they still kind of had like the dj and they had some hip-hop elements that were you know i i never i never felt like lincoln park necessarily felt fed in because like they were way more uh mainstream popular than any of those other bands yeah as far as like you know what i mean as far as like stuff on the radio and stuff goes you weren't, you know, Slipknot never got on the radio necessarily. Not in the way that, like, fucking In the End from Linkin Park yeah. was every f- 10 minutes, <laughs> right? Um, it was, it's it's just one of those things that when I, the age gap really comes into play with, like, the lyrics from Chester Bennington on that album because they are very, like, teenage angsty. And if you go back and you listen to the album now, there's part of it that kind of feel like wannabe edgy, I guess. But, like, at... You know, there's just that time in your life when you're like a teenager and you kind of convince yourself like, my life sucks, you know, and like, <laughs> like those songs, you know, it's just like they're, those lyrics are relatable. And when you listen, you listen to it now, you're kind of like, all right, drama queen, settle yeah. down. But this like is, at the time though, it really <laughs> was back a bit. Their first two records are phenomenal. Like you could have put either hybrid theory or Meteora on this list, but I, I went with the first one just because. It's gotcha. my favorite of the two, but they're both fantastic. I, I was never a huge Linkin Park fan. Again, don't I don't necessarily hate them by any means, sure. but it was just it wasn't my thing. They were they a style out. for sure. Yeah. Uh, came out on October twenty fourth, two thousand, through Warner Brothers Records. The album name comes from the band's original name, Hybrid Theory. Um, uh, it's certified twelve times platinum. Features four singles. The highest selling debut album since Appetite for Destruction. Wow. Uh, it's a beautiful blend of different sounds and styles, lyrics that were relatable to a, you know the youth of. Uh, I mean, I, I think, like when when Chester Bennington died in 2017, that there there's certain terms or like titles that I think get thrown around a little bit too much, you know. But like when he died and you started hearing things like the voice of a generation or whatever, that that was one of those where I was like, you know what, that's one where I think I'll let it fly because it it really was like that age group my age group he he really was for it was it i don't know it the, the the songs were emotional but they were also filled with grit and you know and then obviously you got mike shinoda does the the rapping the and rap, lincoln yeah. park and stuff and they were they were a really good tandem they complemented each other really really well and uh yeah lincoln park's one of those that uh you know and i don't love all of their stuff as much as i love those first two records the, the third one is really good too that's kind of where the quality dip starts to happen for me and i know some people that love their later stuff i never did quite as much but the the those first two records were really just like groundbreaking in every way for me just different sounds and styles that they were starting to do it was just like everything they did it felt like it was the first time it'd been done and it was just like it, yeah i just never heard anything quite like that okay. before so i mean okay. like you know rage against the machine had done a lot of hip-hop elements and stuff 
in in their music as well, but it, it wasn't quite the same in my opinion. So okay, huh. yeah, Hybrid Theory from Lincoln Park, still a great album. So what are we on? Seven, uh, seven, seven. Yep. Um, my seven is a Lana Del Rey album. Um, <clears throat> she's she's one of my favorites. Uh, it was hard to well actually it wasn't hard to pick pick the one because I'd probably say her second full length album Ultraviolence was probably my favorite but there is one song that I will skip there's one song on that album that I'm like you know what is it the Don't summertime mean, sadness song? no oh. no 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 it, it's um it, it is a cover it's called the other woman but it's just, and oh, I think okay. it's the, I think it's right at the end too. So I'm like, I don't oh, okay. need this song. I don't care. Um, but this what, is what genre would you put Lana Del Rey? Uh, in? So I've, I've never, I because, could never really explain it. This because says, she's hard to place because yeah. like she's not. I've I've heard people call her pop, but she's not no, pop. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't put her. No, in pop. I That's wouldn't too. either. This uh, Wikipedia here says, um, it's been described as baroque pop. I could take that or trip hop. Yeah, I don't know about that. She's always just felt kind of indie to it's me. It's all dark yeah. and a lot of instruments and yeah, strings yeah, yeah. and stuff. And it's, I, yeah, just nothing. There may be a few songs where I'd go, okay, maybe I call that poppy. But right. nothing about her ever, has ever screamed pop to me at all. Um, but her, um, so she released, oh my God, what's uh, Born to Die was her first full length album. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she released this EP called Paradise. I mean, it's an EP and it's eight damn songs. Right. I mean, that's that's a basically an that's album. A, that's, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it's a real short album. They went they a... went back and they they put they've put these together now. It's Born to Die, the Paradise edition. So oh, now okay. they're they're kind of combined. There but this go. is this is this the CD of hers where it's like every song on there is awesome. She did a All eight of them. she did a mini movie called Oh shit! I'm gonna I'm gonna forget what it was called. Um, Tropico, I think is what it was, where she took three of the songs from here and just made like this 15 minute like movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's the one album of hers. Like I said, I like them all, but it's the one where there's nothing that I would, I would skip. Like even, even Bored to Die, the, her first How one. How did you come about liking her? Cause she doesn't seem like someone that comes into your, oh no, your the, view. So we've, we've had this discussion with, um, like when I'm watching a late night talk show and they have a band on that I ever heard on, I'll at least like, let's hear what they sound like at least. Cause I've man, I've, I discovered Royal blood like that. Right. I'm like, Oh, these guys are fucking amazing. Um, and the crazy thing is how I discovered Lana Del Rey was uh, Saturday night live, okay. which that performance is, she just gets shit on for that. Performance. Oh yeah. That's the one people say she's, Real nervous and mm. real. Her voice is kind of pitchy, it and uh, but it was there was just something very different. Like mm. that she's in this big white gown, and it, it mm. was just it was just odd. We were, and I think we were all over here doing like game night or something. We just had SNL playing in the background, mm. and I had heard of her from one of the guys at work, but I don't think I'd really heard her. Um, and then I went out. This, this Paradise was out, and Bo- and Bored to Die was out, and I went and picked those up. And this one definitely got m- the more play in my car than than Bored to Die. And I just from there went on because it's for me as you know you you always I'm not gonna be like my parents. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get old and but yeah you get old and music just like what the fuck is this? It's, this it, is just yeah. noise. It's yeah. noise. Her she was it was just different enough that it wasn't like I said I can't. 
I couldn't give you a she, category. She's hard to place. She really is. <clears throat> and that I really like that with music, where you 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 take me mm. back and go, wow, I don't know she's what kinda, I would she's call kind this. of one of one. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, just like she's it. one of those two where it's like she's not um, necessarily like commercially big, but the people that like her really like oh, you know yeah. what I mean. Like she has a big following, but you don't really know about them because they're they don't really have you know what I mean. She's not like Taylor Swift or somebody where it's like exactly. she's everywhere and you know yeah. she's got people that follow her all the time. Like, yeah. Lana Del Rey, the people that like her really like her. They're just kind of chill about we, it. <laughs> I've seen her a couple times in concert. We got to see her at Red Rocks, which was really cool. But we saw her in Vegas. Um, and I can't, I'm trying to remember what casino it was. But we went and found out where the entrance to the, the concert was going to be. And then we're like, okay, let's walk back into the casino and go find a bar and sit down. And we're just sitting there drinking. And slowly this line... Because the the concert hall is in the back of the casino. Mm -hmm. And this line just slowly starts to form throughout the casino all the way to like the entrance of the casino. Just a line of people. And it was to get into the And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I I finally asked the waitress, I'm like, what? This isn't for the concert, is it? And she's like, I don't know. I've never seen anything like this before. And she went and asked somebody and she came back and she said, yeah, this is for the Lana Del Rey concert. I've never seen it line up like this before for a concert. Well, because they hadn't opened the doors yet? Is that what it was? Yeah. And and she also, during her, if you have like GA and you want to get up front because she will actually come down Mm -hmm. during a song and she'll like sign autographs and take selfies and stuff. So there's a lot of people that are trying trying to get get up there. But yeah, it was... uh, I thought you were going to say something like, yeah, we were go cool, find a bar. And then Londa Ray came and sat at the bar. Okay. That's what I thought. I, was, I, thought I, I thought I was about to hear some awesome story about like, oh, shit. And like, there she was. Like That would be that would have been amazing. That, that would have been pretty sweet. But that, that's not at all what happened. So you're number seven, Lana Del Rey. Had a feeling she was going to show up at some point. Yeah. If I had to guess. <laughs> uh, my number six. So... Back into the uh, the uh, the new metal that we were talking about a minute ago. This is uh, Iowa from Slipknot. This is their second album, uh, released on August twenty eighth, two thousand one, from Roadrunner Records. It's their uh, second record, certified platinum in three different countries, including the U.S. Obviously, um, Iowa does everything that their debut album does well, but improves it. Just yeah, because their first album comes out in ninety nine, and it's 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 really kind of a I hate I hate to shit on that album because I know a lot of people really love it. It's one of the albums where, like where the songs are fantastic, but like any of the live versions are gonna be better than the out because just the production. Like yeah. Slipknot's first album is almost a glorified demo. Like the drum sounds on it aren't that great. You know what I mean? Like the, the production value is just not there. So like there's great songs on Slipknot's first album. Go find the live version. Listen to that. It's gonna be better than than the recorded version they did in 99. But Iowa, by the time they get to the second album, okay, now they've got a following, now they've got some money, you can tell they really, you know, win it. And everything is harsher, everything is dirtier. Um, the band talked about, this was the lowest point of their career, they said, as far as just their personal relationships go. Like, recording this album supposedly was hell. Like, everybody wanted to fight everybody and leave the group, and what, but like, and this is the, and for better or worse that's felt on the album. Like it's just, it's a fucking dirty masterpiece. That's all of these clashing, raging things coming together in a way that only Slipknot can do it. 
and it's it's fantastic. They've never topped it. Um, you know, some some of the other albums are really good, but that second album, Iowa, is is and they named it after the state. That's where they're from. Yeah, of course. Um, but it's it's fantastic. They've never been able to capture whatever. I they just like the caucus. So. Yeah. <laughs> whatever that whatever they had then to do it whether it was you know and you could say well yeah well, they all fucking hate each other i don't know i'm just saying whatever it was they never fucking capture that again on an album there's after a that. I, there's a runner-up album of mine an honorable mention that that is very very much like that where there was just such turmoil and it's like that is their mm-hmm. that's their masterpiece album you know and it's and iowa is like i'm not saying nobody like you could always find somebody but like that that's you know most artists i feel like there's a little bit of debate and commentary on like people's favorite I Slipknot is one of those like you almost unanimously anytime like Revolver does like a you know best metal albums of the 2000s oh, or yeah, Slipknot's yeah. for whatever Iowa's the best Slipknot album almost anyone will tell you that because it's just the truth like okay. it's it's a fantastic album yes. so that's my number seven six that was my number six I think yeah alright my number six Oh, I had six I, is good. I had six. Six is good. Uh, released in 1992 is the Smashing Pumpkins uh, Siamese Dream. Uh, it's not the album that, like, I'd heard today. Like, mm-hmm. that was a big radio hit. Today um, but what the, is the that off this album? Yeah, it is. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what when I got into Pumpkins it was on, like was, Rock Band or Guitar Hero, I think. Wasn't yeah, it? I think That's, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got into them with their double album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. That's that's the one that I think. And of then, one of the and then I kind of went backwards from there. And Siamese, and everyone would always say, you know, Siamese Dream, like Gish, I think is their first one, and. Um, but Siamese Dream, yeah, like over the years, like that's that's my go-to. That's that's the awesome. It's got everything. It's got my favorite, um, my favorite Smashing Pumpkins song is called Soma. That's mm-hmm. on here. Um, we uh, Billy Corgan did a tour, uh, and I think when we did our top concerts, this tour was on there when we saw him at right. Kingsbury Hall, and it was just basically like a big celebration of the Smashing Pumpkins and. Each night he would choose a different album, and the middle of the show is just like, okay, we're gonna play a bunch of songs from this particular album tonight. And I, you know, he he kind of came out and explained that, and I'm like, oh, this could be cool depending on what it is. And he's like, tonight's gonna be Siamese Dream. I'm like, oh shit! And they did like they took songs and did different weird versions of them, and like he brought out an organ and did Disarm on an organ. I'm like, okay, I'm not used to hearing it that way at all. <laughs> but yeah. Siamese dream, baby. Is that like, um, like one of their better I, albums commercially, or is it, or is it kind of like a deeper cut? Album? I, I, it's probably their their big commercial. Hit. Th- this yeah, one is okay. Yeah, that, that's what I would say, definitely. So it's not like this is kind of like their forgotten album that you just really like. This no, is this, not this at is all. their the, yeah. Their and and like I said, that's it's. I got into them. And kind of worked my way backwards from there, and like, oh, this is this is a really good album. I just I didn't I was never a fan of today. Yeah, the, like they play it on MTV all the time. Like this is a fine song. Do, 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 but again, do, do, it's do, do, over do. the years I've I've got a, a a bigger appreciation for it, and I enjoy it a lot. It's more. a good song. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. I I can see how it's it's one of those songs that could wear on you. I think after a while, like I imagine if you 
I haven't heard the album front to back, but I imagine if you listen to it, like that's probably towards the bottom of the. I'm sure there's other things because that one just sounds like the radio song. You know? Exactly. Well, I mean, the discs. I mean, you put it in, and it starts out with Cherub Rock, um, and and I think that's on Guitar Hero as mm-hmm. well. Um, I know it's on Guitar Hero because when that came out, I'm like, oh, I'm playing guitar for this one. I'm doing this one. <laughs> oh, uh, and that's just a rock, and that's just loud, fast, awesome, and that 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 got that got a lot of uh, radio play. So now we're in the top five. We're getting to the good yeah. shit. Now. Uh, another heavy one now from for me. Number five is the album Sacrament from Lamb of God, uh, released on August twenty second, two thousand six, from Epic Records. Premiered at number eight on the Billboard two hundred, which I think for for a metal album to debut at number eight in the U S. is like that's pretty pretty good. pretty significant. That's, yeah, that's I mean decent. top ten. For a metal album, I think that's pretty pretty sweet. Uh, it was the highest selling metal album of the of the year two thousand six, and uh, Revolver had it as their album of the year that year as well. Um, the, this album, so their album previous to this was called Ashes of the Wake, and um, that was the one that had the song "Laid to Rest" on it, which was the one that was on guitar here. That was kind of the mm. first one where people kind of. Like who is this Lamb of God? Yeah, yeah, the, and that was like their third album, I think. But like that was where you know, "Late to Rest" was a big kind of song for them, and so this was the one where it was like, okay, people were kind of watching them. They 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 had this awesome documentary they did along with this album, so it's really kind of cool to watch them because it was like cameras on them right at the time where they kind of blow. Like they're starting to come out of the small like. Kingsbury Hall type place, like smaller yeah. places, to where like Sacraments the album that like they're doing they're an doing ar- they're doing an arena tour now. Um, they made it, so to speak. Sacrament was the album that got me into was like oh shit, who's because like Lamb of God, I was like oh yeah, I know that song from fucking Guitar Hero. This album came out, it was like oh shit, okay, this fucking band's pretty fucking sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, they did this whole, they have this two disc documentary they did called Walk with Me in Hell. It's one of the songs off the album, but. Um, the the film Walk with Me in Hell is more about the tour for Sacrament, but the other disc is the making of Sacrament. That's them through the studio making this album, mm-hmm. and there's some there's some really cool uh, shit that they kind of let you in and and see. For me, that was one of the first shows I'd ever watched like that, where I really got to kind of see how songs come together and like see early versions of of songs like that. And it's a DVD. I still I, I actually bought a new copy maybe eight nine years ago because the one that i had had through like junior high and high school i just watched the shit out of it to the point where like the discs were scratches like i went and bought another like i need this is a (laughs) thing i just need to own i'll buy another one of these because it's always going to be sweet but uh the opening track on that on the album sacrament is the song walk with me in hell and it's it's awesome in that documentary because when they record it the producer they have he's kind of a kooky guy but he's he's um, ambitious, we'll say that. Like he's very much like, let's just try it. And, like and yeah, and he he battles with the band quite a bit because it kind of gets them out of comfort zones to like you know, hey, what's because he wasn't this necessarily is like, like rock and metallic. Sure, because yeah. like he wasn't necessarily like a metal guy, mm-hmm. but just had an ear for sounds and different things that would sound cool. So. Um, Randy Blythe is the singer from Lamb of God. He's a heavy chain smoker. He's kind of a scrawny dude that you know gets grabs a microphone and fucking makes devilish sounds and shit like that. But um he's like the producer says, Hey, I think it'd be really cool for the last chorus of Walk With Me in Hell if you were like really like he's like, I picture it's like 
at a at a concert, you know, at the end of the night, you're just out of it, like you're kind of giving all you got that you're you're out of breath and that. And he says, so he says, I think you should go run around the block. Oh. And he's like, there's no, f-. he's like, no, seriously, like, go do like two laps around the block, come back in, sprint the whole time, and I'll I'll hand you the microphone when you come back in. And at first he's like, you fuck off, whatever. And they're like, no, <laughs> let's just do it and see how it goes. And that ends up being the take that's on the album. And it's cool. So like that last chorus, he's like really out of breath and just, you know, you can hear every breath he takes. And it really kind of gives you that, you know, thing that's like, this is the end of the night kind of thing, kind of deal. And um, I don't know. It's just, it was cool to see stuff like that on the, on that documentary. So Sacrament's another album that just, uh, I, you know, I know every song, the second, the first note hits, I'm like, ah, oh, it's this song, you know, for, I, I've listened to that album to death cause it's 15 years old now, but it's great. It, it's still the album that if someone was to like, how do you get into Lamb of God? That's the one you, you would give them for sure. Like they, they've, they, you, you could definitely argue they've done better stuff since. And like, I think like quality wise, I think you would have a case for that, but this is just the one where it seemed like everything kind of came together. It's their most, I don't want to say entry level because that feels like it knocks it down a little bit. But just there, there's some. But they, that's the one that just gets you in. It's not as I don't know crazy, uh, like where it feels like it's kind of gated to non-metal people. Because I really wasn't a metal person. That like Lamb of God was one of the bands that got me there, and oh, okay. this album was a big part of that. Because like pre Lamb of God, I I was one of those like I hate people that scream i can't you can't understand <laughs> yeah. the fucking thing they say. like lamb of god was the one that got me around that interesting because at first it was like well okay i kind of like lamb of god but you know then it was like well then then this other guy and then eventually you just you just fucking <laughs> you just, knee deep you, in the fucking yeah the screamo no. so and even then you know there, there's good and bad screaming i'm not saying it's all yeah, good oh, or yeah. it's all bad but it definitely was a kind of an eye-opening album for me because it got me to kind of reconsider things that i thought were good in music, so Sacrament from Lamb of God's fantastic album. You're number five. My number five. So uh, I had a job a while back where I would just travel. We it was a doing decorative art, and we'd travel around the world doing this stuff. And I worked with a couple of musicians, and one of the big things was like I I they introduced me to so much music that I'd never you know probably never would have heard before. Um, and uh, this is one, this was 97, I believe. This is uh, in a, a band called Catherine Wheel. The album is Adam and Eve. Um, it. I have no idea what this is. It reminds me a little bit of Dark Side of the Moon. It's a concept album, like okay. where all the songs just kind of go right into the next one. Sure. Um, Has like an overarching kind of theme exactly, or, or yeah. story to um, it. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just remember the first time hearing it. And it was one of those instances where they had ticket they there was a club you're probably too young for this there was a club uh, downtown called deviate uh just a little cool little place to see bands and uh, they had tickets to go see Catherine wheel i believe it was for this tour i'm like yeah sure i'll go sure, and sure. it was one of those things like these guys are pretty amazing uh the lead singer guitar player is a guy named rob dickinson He's Bruce Dickinson's cousin. Oh shit! Okay. Sounds nothing like Iron Maiden <laughs> by any means. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, but they uh, the, another thing that that uh, is kind of striking for them is the the. I feel like I've seen that cover before. The uh, the company that does the uh, 
the covers for their albums are the guys. It's Hypnosis Studios. It's uh, Storm Thurgeson Studio does most of Pink Floyd's covers. Oh, okay. They they go out and they it's they look very like insane, but they actually go out and they set this shoot up to like like I don't know if you've seen the um, moment is it momentary lapse of reason or delicate sound of thunder where they have all the beds on the beach. Oh, okay. And they they actually got I can't remember the hundreds of beds that they set <laughs> up just to get the shot in. They had to get it all set up and done before the tide came in. It's like you know somebody can like, draw that, right? And it's like Yeah, but that's 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 what's kinda cool about right, their thing a, is they'll they'll go to these weird places and get and set up these these uh these shots and but yeah, they, they, they remind me a little bit of Pink Floyd with a little bit of a harder harder edge. Okay. Catherine Wheels. Yeah, Pink Pink Floyd can be Mellow, pretty mellow oh, yeah. in the in the best way that only Pink Floyd does it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I w- you wouldn't call them, you know, ragers or anything. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at these. I pull them out. I, like the people listening, to this can't see. I'm actually pulling out the CDs as I as I do them, and I'm like, oh. and I'm like looking at the cases. I'm like, yeah, these. I mean, with the exception of this, because this is the big deluxe one that just yeah. came out. But yeah, like this one. This, I mean. Yeah, I, I listened the crap out of this. It's pretty. It's, it's got, pretty warm. You can see the wear and tear on it. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, my number four is a, a sort of radio rock album from kind of that same time period. But the album is One X by the band Three Days Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was released on June thirteenth, two thousand six, by Jive and Sony BMG. Th- uh, certified three times platinum in both the U.S. and Canada. Uh, they're a Canadian band. Uh, features four singles. Um, this this album. So the very first concert I ever went to, Three Days Grace was an opening band for them, for, and um, I had didn't know who they were. This album had just come out. This is their second record. I, I think I had no. I think I knew one or two of the songs that were on their first album, but I it was one of those like I didn't know that you know that was them. Like once you hear, you go, oh okay, I've heard this song before. But so I didn't know who this band was going into the concert. Oh, I I, I love stories like that. There's a, yeah. there's a couple bands I've really gotten into because they were an opening oh, yeah, act. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, who bought are these the guys? album immediately after the concert. And then this is another one similar to sort of the Lincoln Park idea, where it's like the, a lot of the lyrics are like Adam Gontier, the singer, was in. He wrote a lot of the, the lyrics to these songs while he was in rehab over an oxycotton uh, addiction that he had. And so, and a lot of the, the, you know, you could make the jokes, like a lot of the, the songs on this album are like the, my life sucks kind of songs. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just one of those, like when you're a teenager a at the time, age. it was kind of that, yeah. uh, it was a little, it was a little, he- it was radio rock, so not real heavy, but I mean, it was just a little bit grittier than like, you know, like a Nickelback would yeah. be or, or, you know, fucking spoke to three you. doors down or like, you know, as far as when you haven't really discovered underground stuff and you just hear what's on the radio, it was heavy to be on the radio Mm -hmm. and it was just like oh shit and it was like yeah no one understands me that's the songs you know and it's like there's just there's just something about that that just speaks to you at that point in your life where it's like fucking mom and dad they want me to follow the rule (laughs) you know (laughs) um but it's still a great album i listen to it all the time and uh i've seen them in concert several times since then they've changed they've changed singers now and they've never been quite the same to me since then but uh i change in changing singers in a band is, is it's a real difficult tough, you know thing. and it's hard because it's like you don't want to completely diminish the other members of the band but like a singer really is the that's the 
the sound that most people are going to recognize mm-hmm. is the singer's voice. You know, like most most bands could change a drummer or a guitarist, and most people, the average person, might not even know. Yeah. But changing singers really is tough for people. And uh, but I did. I got to meet them. I think we talked about this on the oh, yeah. the concerts. Warp tour, not warp. Uh, uproar um, festival. Uproar. And uh, this was like two albums after this one that they were promoting. But I got to meet them. I got that album signed. It was still with the original singer and everything. Nice. But uh, yeah, this is an album that still for me is just like it, it's 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 old enough now where it's nostalgic and it's still good. You know, it's like it, it it's it's good in two different ways because it's like it's good because it just like takes you back to junior high, but it's also good because it's just still good. Yeah. So yeah, nice. one X from Three Days Grace. It's an album that I think a lot of people have a soft spot for, especially again people in that age group when it came out. So yeah, it's yeah, my number know. four. Four. My number four is another one that I was introduced to in the art studio, um, and it's a band that I'd heard the I'd heard the band's name many times, and it was just always one of those oh fuck fuck this this crap this you know this <laughs> my number four was Creed like no I never <laughs> I I, but I'd never really heard them right and it's it's the White Stripes oh okay and the, the the album I picked was Elephant from the White Stripes that's that's I mean. All their albums are great. Yeah, uh, this one is just. This has got like how many Seven do Nation they do? Army, Black. Oh God, quite a few. Five or six. Okay, probably. so quite a few. Um, Ball and a Biscuit is great, um, and it's one of the longer. Like he doesn't do a lot of long songs. So when that when I heard Ball and Biscuit for the first, I'm like, oh, he can actually do a long. And the White Stripes, song. right? Is what Jack White and Jack his... White and, and Meg White. It's his wife or his it was sister? his wife. Yeah. Okay, okay. yeah, they told he they, they there was a thing going around for quite a while. They were telling everyone that they were brother and sister. Because so, I, like I remember hearing that. That's thing. why I was like, which one is it? Because I know I've heard both. And and I think it's like they they were so stylized their the album covers and like how they dressed. It was I just I didn't care that uh, that video for Seven Nation Army when it came out was played to death on VH1 uh-huh. or TV whatever. But it was such a. It's one of those that you just you remember it because it was so the the color changes yeah. and the red and white flashing back and forth too. And it was like you know constantly them in the background zooming in to the next picture to the next picture to the next picture. Funny funny thing about Seven Nation Army is when I I I think I was working in Redlands, California, and uh, that it came on and I'm like, this is a you know I'd heard it a couple times but I hadn't really like right. seen the video or anything and I'm like, this is I didn't know it was the White Stripes. Because I made the joke like, I don't know who this is, but this song's really good. It's probably some shitty band like the White Stripes. Right. And at the end, you know, when they show you, yeah, who yeah. The, I'm like, oh, it is the White Stripes. I'm like, <laughs> maybe I should check these guys out. <laughs> like, try going to like any like college football game over the last oh, ten yeah. years yeah. without fucking hearing Seven Nation <laughs> yeah. Army at some point. So like, you know, there's something to be said for that. Those songs that like oh, yeah. pin themselves into somewhere that like. They got eternity now. They yeah. have long, that song's never going anywhere. We we saw Jack White um, before COVID. He came out to Saltaire, and um, yeah, he did. He just does a bunch of different things because he has he's been in so many different bands. He's in mm. the Dead Weather and the Rock and Tours, and he's solo and the and the White Stripes and everything. Um, but as he's leaving, you know, as bands do, the lights go down and they, Hey, thank you. And they yeah. walk off stage, but and, you know, they're coming. you know, they're coming back, but the audience starts doing the, Oh, and the whole audience is, is chanting it. And he came out and everyone started to like 
stop and clap and he and he's like no 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 and he's like yeah you know no keep doing it keep doing it and he and he started in and like okay yeah. we're doing this song now it was there it was, was a there was a myth that was going around for a long time that i i think was confirmed by jack white you, you would know this better than me that like uh that that opening to seven nation army it's not a bass right it's a guitar that he, he uses an octave mm-hmm. pedal yeah that, that tunes it way down so it sounds like it's a bass guitar but yep. it's not yeah, that's uh, there's a group called I think I, I mentioned them earlier, Royal Blood, that I th- saw on like maybe James Corden or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, let's see these. And it was two dudes. It was a drummer and a guy who played a bass. And the music that these two fuckers can make, <laughs> like, how can he make the bass sound like this? Because sometimes it's like sounds like a guitar. Other yeah. times he makes it sound like the bass. And it's just these two guys. And it's did you? This, this that's shit. why I used to like Conan back in the day because he was oh, like yeah. he was one of the only ones that would kind of bring crazy shit on to his show he had uh he's good friends with jack white he had them on the lot to his last um like his his original show late right. night with conan o'brien that was that was not the, the tbs show that no that that was the his music his musical guest for his final episode right. was the white stripes like like i'm talking about lamb of god a minute ago they were on conan o'brien yeah. like like yeah uh, letterman was shit. very much the same way like letterman loves music and he would he would get people I love shit like that um, though because it's like somebody's gonna hear this band for the first time tonight, oh, yeah. you know, and it might be me. Like you, you know, mm-hmm. there's like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of shit that sometimes you just hear one time, like fuck, that was kind of sweet. Yeah. Um, that's why, like you know, back in the day, people would use like Pandora all the time because like Pandora was awesome because you would just put in like any artist, you put in the White Stripes, and it's like, hey, we're gonna just create a playlist based on the white stripes yeah. and like we're going to show you some bands you probably haven't heard that are similar to you know if you like that you probably like mm-hmm. this so um all right my number three is uh uh there's not even a lead up to it it's abbey road from the beatles okay um released on september 26 1969 of course by apple records nice. produced by george martin nice. Certified 12 times platinum, Rolling Stone listed it as the fifth greatest album of all time in their all-time list. I think Sgt. Pepper's is number one on that list. Yeah, I would disagree with that. I would, I would put um, Abbey Road above Sgt. Pepper. I, I, I agree, too. Um, Even though Sgt. And, Pepper and, has one of my favorite Beatles songs of all time. Oh, Day in Life's fantastic. Um, Abbey Road, it's one of those, like, for, for the sake of being interesting, I wish I could come on here and be like, let me tell you why, you know, <laughs> fucking with the Beatles is the great, like Abbey Road's the greatest Beatles album. I know it's boring. I know it's, it's overrated or whatever. Abbey Road's fantastic from start to end. Even the ones, the songs that I I feel like are like the, we'll, we'll say weaker songs like Octopus Garden and whatever. And like, even like Maxwell Silverhammer is another mm. one that's like, it's just, it's one of those, it's still fun. It's one of those Paul McCartney songs that are like almost more of a jingle than a song. Mm-hmm. But we need to get an anvil and a hammer. <laughs> but like you could go through the track listing for Abbey Road and you're going like, okay, come together, right? Something I want you. She's so heavy. Like oh, this is. Oh, the, yeah, and you're like, this is the greatest hits album. No, this is Abbey Road. Like yeah. like the the song something. Here comes the sun. And then, uh, and then when you get into like the 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 shorter songs, you know the the kind of medley songs. The big medley, right. Yeah. Golden Slumbers is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um. The end, which she marks came in through the you know, window. It's I mean, fantastic. Oh. Yeah, um, the end is the last time that all four Beatles recorded in the studio together, and it's it's kind of an awesome thing, you know. And it gets ruined by you know the fucking Her Majesty. Her Majesty yeah. <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, but I, Beatles fans don't even acknowledge that, right? Um, I I really like if you're gonna go for kind of like an underrated, yeah, you know, nothing the Beatles did is underrated because it's the biggest band of all time. But if you want to go for like more of an underrated thing, I think Revolver is really good. All mm. uh, Revolver is the one that I would put right behind Abbey Road if I was picking them. Okay. Um, because I feel like it's everyone. It's either it's the White Album, Abbey Road, or Sgt. Pepper. Those are the three that I feel like most people are like. It's one of these three is the best. So I, I think Revolver is the one that probably doesn't get the respect that it probably should. But again, the, it's the Beatles. The so two, they, I, the two that aren't like the you know the, yeah. the Abbey Roads. The two I always hear mentioned are uh, Rubber Soul and Revolver. Those yeah, are, R- Rubber Soul is really good too. Revolver to me is just. Again, it was on my list originally too, and um, it was one of the, on it list. was one of the ones that had to be cut when I was starting to think cut because I'm like, okay, well, like I guess if I have to cut something, not have the Beatles on here twice, like. Yeah. But Revolver is really fucking good. No, and I was going through. I'm like, okay, it's only ten, and I've got this band on here twice, and I've got this band on here twice. I need to, yeah, I need to mix this up a little. Um, bit. it's also the greatest album cover of all time. It's 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 iconic. Oh, yeah. It's. Huh? Every everyone has seen that image before, regardless of you whether you listen to the Beatles or not. It's it's just one of those things that's like, I don't know. It's it's iconic. There's nothing else you can you can you can say. Um, yeah, Abbey Road. It, there's not much to say about it because it's like it's one of those things that everyone already knows how good it is. And like I said, I wish I could come in here and be like, well, actually, let me tell you about like, but no, Ab- Abbey Road's the best Beatles album. It's fat, fucking sweet. So that's my number three. Right on. Uh, my number three is uh, Queens of the Stone Age, uh, like clockwork. Um, I originally had picked um, Lullabies to Parrot, not Lullabies, Songs for the Deaf, because okay. I think that's where I, when I got into Queens of the Stone Age. But this album is... Which one's got that? That's Songs for the Deaf. Okay. Yeah, no one knows. Yeah, okay. that, that, That's when they really started to kind of hit mainstream. That, that was that was the one that, yeah. Fucking guitar groove is sweet in that song. Oh, oh it is, it is. They're, and most of their albums, there's one album that... It's just like I can't listen to it. Mm. Like, and I'm I'm a pretty big Queens of the Stone Age fan. This, and I can't even remember what it, the, the hell the album is called, because uh, it's like it just does not get. It, I listened to it once, and I'm like, this isn't hitting with me. Let's give it a couple more, because sometimes mm. things need to grow on you. It just doesn't. Like, I've had so no. many songs I really disliked the first time or two, whatever. Then eventually, it's like, can you believe I did like that at one point? So yeah. it happens. Era, era vulgaris. That was that's the oh, okay. uh, Queens of the Stone Age, and it's just it. not it's for just, you. Huh? No, it's it's not. I mean, it's Queens of the Stone Age, but man, it's not like this. Uh, like Clockwork, just everything hits on this. Like it's, I don't know, man. Uh, if I had a tail, vampire. They and they go into they go in from like some like mellow sounding stuff mm-hmm. to just hard rock and stuff. Like we, we saw those guys again at salt hair and Royal blood, I think opened up for them. <laughs> but, um, there Excuse was a, there was a point when they theme, were man. really playing a bunch of stuff from this album. This was cause this was the newest album. And I remember leaning over to Aaron. I'm like, I want to, I want him to play uh, vampire of time and memory. And she's like, they're not going to play that. That's way they're, they're in the rock groove right now. They're not going to just, Screech to a halt and yeah. do this piano song. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. They, they never, they never yeah. did, of course. But yep, Queens of Stone Age, like clockwork. That's, uh, <sighs> I mean, that 
all their albums, with the exception of Air Vulgaris, they're all awesome. But this this one's good. And, and Elton John even uh, oh, well, is, is fuck, I mean, fuck Elton John. <laughs> now you got my attention. All right. My top two. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, my top two are... Uh, are I just realized my top two are very similar. Uh, my top two are both live albums, like I mentioned earlier. Oh, shit. Okay. So I have two on my list. They're both top two. Um... My number two was released November 1st, 1994 by DGC Records, and it was the uh, MTV Unplugged in New York Nirvana, oh, Nirvana. album. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fantastic. And I know that it got the bump when it came out because it's the first thing that was released after Kurt Cobain died. He died about seven months earlier yeah. when, when this was actually released. And so obviously that was because it was so fresh, you know. But it, it really is good. And... Um, because I'm not a huge Nirvana fan, and I love that album. Uh, certified eight times platinum, it gave Nirvana their only Grammy win that they ever got was for for this album. Um, Nirvana rehearsed the show for two days and be, before they filmed it because it was on MTV Unplugged, which is an awesome show that's not around anymore. Um, Kurt Cobain really struggled with drug withdrawals through the whole rehearsals, and there was legitimate concern like, are we going to be able to get through? Because by that point, it was like he could only go so long before, you know, needing yeah. whatever he was doing. And um, and there was also a lot of back and forth between the band and MTV because... And the thing that makes this album great is that the shit they play on this album... Like, Come As You Are is really the only real big song of theirs they play on this. Yeah. They they avoided obviously. I mean, a, an acoustic version of Teen Spirit probably wouldn't have worked. But even still, like other, I'm sure MTV would have loved them to try it, and they don't. Yeah. They don't play in Bloom. They don't, you know. And then they they bring out the Meat Puppets and play three songs with them, and then they do the the Bowie cover, yeah, the Man Who Sold the World, sold the and world. they do the Vaseline's cover of Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam. I'm not going to tell you that that Man Who Sold the World is probably superior than the Bowie version. It, <laughs> David Bowie said that <laughs> oh, too. Okay. So yeah. It, <laughs> It's and that got air radio airplay oh, yeah. after this, we, yeah. and like it, it still gets played. Um, the only other real big song, uh, like a Nirvana song, that's on this album is "All Apologies." But but that's my that's one of my favorites. But the one that gets played is this one. So it's not like it was a necessarily giant hit when they did it. Mm-hmm. It became one after because this. of the unplugged. So the only yeah. one that was really, I mean, even about a girl is off their first album, wasn't a great giant song. Kurt Cobain says it on the, he says this song's from our first album, a lot of people don't know it. And then they play about a girl. Mm. And then again, when they play that song, a lot of times this is the one they play. So Come As You Are is really the only like big song from the Nevermind album that's on this. The rest of it's like a lot of curveballs. And so MTV had problems with the song choices because they weren't doing the love that Nirvana, stuff. yeah, love that Nirvana kind of sucked their ground. Said we're gonna do fucking meat puppet songs. We don't give a shit. And then they close with the the Lead Belly, "Where Did You Sleep Last Night," mm-hmm. which is incredible. Um, Kurt Cobain's vocals in the last chorus of that song, where he's just like gut wrenching, screaming, where it's almost like it's almost out of tune, but just enough where it's not. But it's just so raw. It's like Jesus Christ. But it's all over the place. But he makes it sound good somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I love this album. This, this I mean a lot of people talk about Nevermind, 
and Nevermind is fantastic. It's an honorable mention, but if if it's like one Nirvana album's got to make my list, it's gonna be the Unplugged oh, album because it's so good. Um, like they play "On a Plane," which is a song from Nevermind that never got radio play, but it's one of my favorite songs. And the acoustic version might even be better than the than the the Nevermind version. Mm-hmm. Um, "Something in the Way" is the one that everyone's talking about now because it was in yeah, Batman, Batman and yeah. shit. That's that the version on this album is better than the one that's on nevermind i think number one because it's in tune because <laughs> the the one that's on nevermind um kurt cobain had like this old piece of shit acoustic guitar that he played it on and that's the one that made the album but like they like uh dave grohl and chris Noah like they had to like tune da- tune to this acoustic guitar that was like way out of tune to make it sounds good it's, for it's the mix. It's probably one of those guitars that the minute you play it, it's out of tune. Yeah, and like it, it kind of helps the song, I guess, because it sounds real muddy, I guess. But like, I like the one that's on the MTV Unplugged a little bit more, just just personally. So, yeah, that album, I I watched that DVD to death when I was when I was younger. I still listen to the album all the time. It's it's really good, and one of the good things about like Nirvana was a perfect choice for unplugged, and there's a lot of the Alice in Chains unplugged. It's fantastic. Oh yeah, Alanis Morissette had a really good. That's unplugged. an honorable mention for but, me. But uh, um, the thing that made this work really good for Nirvana is because, like, you know, Kurt Cobain said all Nirvana songs started out as acoustic stuff. So that's how he wrote all the songs almost, and then like they would, you know, because so it was really easy to strip the songs back down because that's like that was the original version of the it. demo basically yeah. yeah so it's like that you didn't have to necessarily configure and you know they're power chord songs anyways and, you know kurt cobain wasn't this fantastic guitar player but it's just like it wasn't hard to come up with these kind of stripped down versions of the songs because that's just the way he wrote them anyways so yeah fantastic if you've, if you've never heard the nirvana unplugged down maybe if you don't really like nirvana that much that's the one to listen to mm-hmm. it's really good well, I'd, I'd agree with that definitely so. All right, my number two. I I love my concept albums. Um, Twenty one twelve. Yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> um, this this is one that uh, people would argue with the uh, best album. This is Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile. Okay. Um, a lot of people uh, that I would talk to would probably say Downward Spiral would be their top Nine Inch Nails. Fans of A Christmas Story would say The Fragile. The The Fragile. It must be French. <laughs> Uh, but Downward Spiral um, was was good. Um, I I was into Nine Inch Nails back when Pretty Hate Machine came out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh my god, Nine Inch Nails, I love them. I I enjoyed them enough. Um, Downward Spiral that you had, you know, um, Closer, of course, that was their yeah the, the big one. Um, but then this came out, and of course, being a, being a fan of like Pink Floyd and stuff and the concept albums, I'm like, I just fell in love with the fragile mm-hmm. this is this was my shit um we saw them we saw them on tour for it wasn't this i would love to have seen this live uh but i think it was like with teeth or something oh, okay. but he did like a little medley of three songs for for this during the show and he actually had like a white like curtain come down and they were 
they were kind of like projecting stuff on the curtain. He was behind it singing. Oh, cool. And at the very end, he had it timed out. Like at the very end of that last song that he was doing, this little medley of the, the Fragile, he picks up the mic stand and kind of hits the curtain. But what they're projecting, like it looks like glass is shattering. Oh. Which was really cool how he just, it was perfect. But, and that's, he does that and then they pull the curtain up. When he did that, his mic stand got snagged. And the <laughs> curtain's pulling up, and you just see him like standing there because like the music's still going. He needs to be singing, and he's just like looking up, like "There's my fucking mic. It's clear up there." And then it, and then it just like came crashing down. <laughs> he went and grabbed it, and just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those awesome things, though. Like you saw, you yeah. know. And um, that tour, Queens of the Stone Age, opened for him. And Queens of the Stone Age, I'd seen live quite a few times. When they opened for Nine Inch Nails, they played. Like their old shit, like the stuff that you just weren't did. I didn't think I'd ever hear live. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that was it was awesome. It was it was great. Fuck oh, yeah. yes. good times. Good times. Oh yeah. All right. Number one. Number one. It's um, a live one. It's another live album, and it's uh, for me. It's the best live album of all time. Well, we already talked about Pinch and Purge. Well, this one's better. <laughs> Um, same band though. Uh, my number oh. one is S and M. Metallica's S and M. Okay. Um, the the original. Gotcha. Uh, re- released November twenty third, nineteen ninety nine, on Elektra and Vertigo Records. The last Metallica album to feature Jason Newstead on bass. Um, features Metallica playing with the San Francisco Orchestra led by Michael Kamen, uh, who passed away quite a few years ago now. Yeah. Um, mo- uh, you know, it's a live album, so it's mostly mostly, uh, mostly. mostly. It, you know. Uh, songs of theirs that were not some of them are hits, some of them were, but, but they had two songs, Human and No Leaf, no Clover, Leaf Clover, that were both so No Leaf Clover is a top Metallica song oh, for yeah. me at this point. Uh, they were both brand new songs, certified five times platinum, has since sold over eight million copies, inspired SM2 in 2019. Which uh, we had a little watching party here when that came out. This album, to have the biggest metal band in the world at the time pair with a full giant orchestra for an awesome two night concert DVD slash album. It's it, it works on every level. To hear some of those songs with like the violins and the cellos and that they come in and stuff. It's so good. And it's awesome because Michael Kamen had met Metallica at I think the Grammys and they had talked about doing something together and so they brought him in and they had paid him to write music uh orchestra music for nothing else matters on the black album and then so they'd, re- they'd recorded all this stuff and then michael came and said he was actually kind of disappointed when the black album had come out because nothing else matters was a single and you really couldn't hear that much of the strings and stuff that they'd done it's like oh i guess they they chose not to use it or, or whatever it was um they, he runs into Metallica again at another event, whatever. And he says, "Yeah, you, you, how you been? But I, you know, I noticed you didn't really, you know, use it too much." Whatever. Oh no, man, we got this other version that's like our favorite version of the song, but it didn't make the album, and it was basically just the orchestra stuff with with Metallica. And then the idea spawned of doing a show, and you know, uh, Deep Purple had done had done something so so it wasn't like this was the first time like oh rock yeah. band in Norway, but not on this Moody level Blues yeah did it a lot but i mean metallica is the biggest band in the world at this point oh, yeah. so i mean not on this level 
And uh, James Hetfield said it was really funny because the first re- they rehearsed for over a year to do this concert they were going to do one time, right? Because they had to write all the music and everything for it. And they, they here's this band of guys in their 20s, early 30s, whatever, that they're drinking beer with it. They don't know what it's like to play with a well-timed, well-oiled machine mm-hmm. orchestra. And uh, the first rehearsal they did for it, they, they're getting together and they're, Metallica's like, you know, none of us read sheet music. N- none of the members of Metallica read sheet music. They all just they just play. play. Yeah. And so when they, when they showed up, the orchestra is asking for sheet music for Master <laughs> Puppets or whatever it might be. And he said it was really kind of we funny can go because down to Guitar Center and get a book. He, he's like he's like it ends up being me and Kirk Hammett sitting there with the guitars to be like, well, okay, so it starts like right here, right? And then we go over here. And he's like, and you have like 60, 80 people looking at you going like you're the biggest band in the world, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but it, it all just culminates in this epic live performance that is just so good. For me, like almost every version on S&M is the definitive version mm-hmm. of that song. It's fun watching the the concert because you can tell the people in the orchestra that are, that are there and they're yeah. doing their job and you can tell the people that are like, they're Metallica fans and they're like into it. And then they're, you can see the older guys that have the earmuffs yeah. <laughs> while, they're, while they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> they got their little music stand, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was really cool because like they could have done this in a big giant arena. They do it in like which a, I think is what they did. Isn't that what it, they did with the second the one? second one? Yeah, because yeah. then they're like, we got to make some money. Yeah. But like the first one, the, they do it in like a symphony hall yeah. that probably seats you yeah, know, it's, a, it's, a thousand yeah. people or something maybe, and they're all like in suits and stuff, and it was like a real event thing to do was uh, famously francis ford coppola who had season tickets walked out of that because he was yeah he him and his wife walked in not you know because they just had the season tickets they were gonna go see whatever the san francisco symphony was doing and And then it was a night with metallica and they're like fuck this and they got up and walked out it was like the seinfeld thing like what are they doing i don't know metal or something (laughs) 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 yeah s&m is just one of those that I've loved it for so long and it's never lost any of its luster to me. I, the more I I've listened to it, I've never got bored of it. I've never got sick of it. So would that would, would you uh, say, because my, my number one pick is ba- is the one like if you're stranded on an island and you had this one CD, this is the one I could listen to forever. It's probably, it's probably that or Abbey Road. I know I had uh-huh. Nirvana wedged in between those two, but if it's like one for my life, it's probably one of those two. All right. But even then, I think I might get sick of Abbey Road faster than I would get sick of S and M. I don't know. I could see that actually. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's hopefully I never have to find out. But <laughs> but S and M is fantastic. It, it's for me, it's as good as like a live. There's I I know certain people that really did like. Oh, I hate live versions. I can't stand. And for me, I've just never got that because like a good yeah, I don't. a good live version to me is like. Oh yeah. Yeah, like. I, I'll never listen to the recorded version ever again. <laughs> like, cheap trick. The the what I want you to want me. What's the version you always hear? Is that live version? But you know why? Because the studio version is shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sucks. <laughs> it's 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 true, man. Yeah, the the S and M from Metallica. It's and it's a good mix because like at this point in Metallica, they're kind of in the the dip point in their career. As far as quality goes, like it's post load and reload, mm. pre Saint Anger, right? But I feel like they do a good. I mean, like they play Master of Puppets and they play the thing they should not be. They play 
Call of Cthulhu yeah. on here. Like they they do a lot of really good shit and a lot of stuff from the Black albums on there because like and there's a couple I think load and reload songs as well, but very few. Yeah, because it's a big two disc concert thing because it's two nights. But like this ver the version of Nothing Else Matters on S and M is like by far the superior version to any any version they've ever done yeah. since or before. So yeah. S and M is my number, my number one. All right. Um, anyone knows me probably knows my number one coming up. Um, this actually kind of crosses over with your number one. Neil uh, with uh, oh. Michael Kamen actually did the orchestral what? stuff for Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So when you brought Michael Kamen, I'm like, I think he had something to do with my number one <laughs> pick. <laughs> um, yeah. This, um, which is kind of a, I, I don't want to say like. Surprise, because like the wall is highly regarded, but like the the consensus, right, is that like Dark Side, Dark of, the Side of the Moon is yeah. is the some people say it's the greatest album of all time, let alone the greatest Pink Floyd album. So Dark, don't get me wrong, Dark Side of the Moon is great, and that was that's definitely a, a honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, the wall just it's it's like how you'd explain like the hybrid theories and the one the ones that you were saying yeah. like it's that t- it hit you it you were going through shit sometimes you're just like the perfect demographic for a thing <laughs> exactly um i was going through it was relationship issues of course and i had seen women this, right this, yeah no shit women right am i right um what my first introduction to pink floyd but not I you in, in any way was the movie the wall Oh shit! And I was which I've of, only seen once, and would really like to watch again because it was a long time ago, and it went. I feel like so much of it just went right over my head. Um, so yeah, I didn't know much about Pink Floyd. Saw the movie this with this girl um, at the time, but that everything went horribly wrong. Um, and I couldn't listen to Pink Floyd for quite a while after, and then I finally kind of went back and like, let's try this wall again, and picked up the cassette tape back in the day oh my <laughs> fred fred meyer had a sale going on <laughs> Fred meyer. and i went and picked up like three pink floyd things because they were in the wall um animals and a collection of great dance songs which was a greatest hits thing yeah and uh the wall really hit for me and um yeah it's it's just always been that and i kind of went from there forward from the wall so the final cut which is the last Mm -hmm. album they kind of all did together before roger waters left the band and then momentary lapse reason and division bell and all that stuff so like i i was touting myself as like i'm this huge pink floyd fan and then the next girl i started dating the one that was actually kind of related to paul Mm -hmm. mccartney distant relative to paul mccartney um she asked me about dark side of the moon and i was like what's that and she's uh, like, what? You the... love Pink Floyd and you've not heard Dark Side of the Moon? I'm like, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I said I said earlier, Abbey Road's the greatest album cover of all time. If there's one that that's like has entered the ring, Dark Side of the Moon's probably right there. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's iconic as yeah. shit. Um, there's a really good story with uh, Storm Thurgeson, the guy who, who did the album covers for him, where he came and he just had all these different covers for them to choose from. And he's like, they didn't even like really, he felt bad because he like put so much work into it. <laughs> and like the one that every band member just like right off went that, the, that one right there. Yeah. He's like the, the one with the prism and the light going through it. Yeah. He's like, but look at all these other ones. Let's, let's give some of these another chance. They're like, nope, this one right Sometimes here. less is more yeah. though. <laughs> you know? True. 
And that's like the wall. It's just oh, yeah. it's just white bricks. Funny to me that like Dark Side of the Moon is considered like their greatest album by a lot of people, but like another brick in the wall is definitely their biggest song, I feel like to to the general Yeah. Pop, like comfortably numbs probably right. right behind it but like another brick in the wall i feel like is most people if you know a pink floyd song that's probably the one you know yeah yeah you're probably right. so i don't know kind of yeah. funny dark side of the moon did have money that's a pretty that's a pretty big, big oh, yeah. hit for him. i mean there's a lot on dark side of the moon that's like hit like uh, comfortably numb it, you're Probably one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs. Like the, it's the, got the one of the greatest solo. guitar solos it's, of all it's time. Wonderful, yeah. but time from time Dark Side of the Moon is great. The yeah. guitar solos, man. Pink Floyd. It's it's if it's not comfortably numb, it's wish you were here. Like both both of those. Like oh my god, yeah. That's that's a, that's a guitar solo. But right the there. wall in just in general, like every the the live versions that they've done, the the movie, the just every uh, seeing it. Seeing it live in concert, the, the show itself is, yeah. was just amazing. Um, but yeah, this that's an album that I could not get sick of. Now, saying that, you you bring up another brick in the wall. That's one that like if it if I was if I listened to the radio anymore, if that right. came on the radio station, I would probably flip it to another just cause thing because I'm like, it. oh my god, I don't need to hear this again. But I I tell you what, you put this on starting with track one. Right. Oh, and that comes on like, oh yeah, here we go, because it just <laughs> right. the way everything just goes together it, in like, the context of the album. Yeah. it's like yeah. Well, you got it. It, w- you it got would be it. weird to skip it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, there's the list, you guys. There is the list. Get into some honorable mentions here. Um, bring up Revolver again, because that was that was a, a high, and uh, that one might be my favorite. Beatles album cover if I had to just choose like my subjective fa- I love Revolver, the Revolver yeah. cover yeah. love that cover and that album is so great man the, the way it starts with Taxman and then you get into Eleanor Rigby and it's like oh, it ends with Tomorrow Never Knows like oh so good man the Revolver is and that that was really kind of their dip into different sounds like it's it's pre-Sergeant Pepper where they kind of like went full into it but like Revolver was like we could do some different shit besides just us with playing instruments yeah you know you uh george harrison really starts to play with indian sounds on revolver and it it really just kind of gives it more of a care i think there's some of that on rubber soul as well but um revolver i feel like is really kind of their first step into the the psychedelics of it all and uh yeah taxman might be like the greatest opening song of any of their albums because it just it the way you, when you drop the needle on that record and just gets that one, two, three, it's so good, so good. So that's my first round. We'll mention is Revolver. Right, I I know I brought up Justice for All, so I'll just kind of skip over that. Those. Justice for All is, is great. I know ever the joke forever. The mix is bad. We've all we're we're all aware yeah, the mix is bad. We, the we songs are, are good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, my Beatles, um, that like I like. My Beatles pick would is "Let It Be Naked" because oh, I I just love the mixes on that the, that particular album in general. I I listened to the shit out of that when I got that. Um, what the one you were talking about? I can't remember what the band was where they were all was it Lamb of God where they were mm. all fighting and they just uh, Slipknot Slipknot okay yeah, yeah. Uh, so Fleetwood Mac rumors uh, it it's another one that's like. Abbey Road. What else do you say? All right, it's like one exactly. of the great. It's one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you if you ever watch the, they have the the classic album series where they discuss the making yeah. of the album, like the shit, like the VH ones, like yeah. how, you know, like yeah. the shit Behind this the band was going through 
for the for the music that they put out in this album, it's like my god, they they were all just hating each other. Rumors is and, so good though. Oh yeah, people were going through. That's breakups. the one that like even like Fleetwood Mac fans, like people that aren't Fleetwood Mac fans, like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's a universal album that everyone just agrees yeah. this is good. You got the chain on <laughs> chain there, is so which good. is a, a great great song. Oh. Yeah, rumors is rumors is fantastic. Oh, go your own ways on. Oh yeah, rumors as well way. too. Yeah, the chains. Oh man, yeah. Those are two of my favorite Fleetwood Mac songs. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, let's see. Yeah, uh, let, let it be naked's real good. It's 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 definitely superior to the to the the normal release of of Let It Be. Oh, yeah. Um, especially. The, the the big standout to me on Let It Be Naked is the Long and Winding Road because it it's it's so much better without all the fluff mm. on it. Oh yeah. And the mix of the Long and Winding Road on the original Let It Be isn't great, almost to the point where like I you have a hard time hearing Paul cut through the mix at times because the strings are so heavy and just so the high end on it is so big in the mix where it's just like man back that off just a tad here but um let it be i think is kind of a slept on album too in a sense because a lot of people are like well that was you know the it was just kind of the ones they had they didn't know what to do like no like get back yeah. awesome i got a feeling is awesome dig a pony's awesome uh, what's, what's one funny? after 909 is fucking oh, sweet i love yeah dig a pony yeah yeah all yeah stuff. Uh, what's really funny is on here, this when I got this, I don't know if it still comes this way if you bought it. It comes with a, a bonus disc, which is like 15 or 20 minutes of just basically what we saw the Peter Jackson thing. It's uh, just, it just it's called Fly on the Wall. Uh, okay. And it's just stuff from the studio of them talking while they're. While and you they're got all the Billy stuff. Preston stuff. And uh, uh, it's. it's uh, yeah. um, this is one I really struggled to, to not have on my list. Like for for how much I love music, I really didn't get into music until like middle school, high mm-hmm. school. That's when I was starting to really. M- get middle into school it. for me was like where like I have a favorite band, and I have mm-hmm. band, you know like yeah up to that point it was like you like this song, you like this song, like you didn't follow artists yeah. really until. Uh, but mine was fifty one fifty from Van Halen. That was that so was good. Awesome. So I always. Like I, I, it took me some years to appreciate the David Lee Roth years mm-hmm. because I came into Van Halen in the Hagar, and the stuff. Hagar stuff, and they're they're both different flavors of oh, yeah. of a great day. Like I, I hate that it's kind of like you have to like one and hate the other one because they are they're both really good. Exactly. Yeah. When I think of Van Halen, I'll, I'll I'll always think of David Lee Roth. Like that to me is the Van Halen sound, but the stuff with Hagar is really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sammy Hagar is a better singer than David Lee Roth is. So it just, it just, it'll, it'll allow they, it, they both have their own. Right. But I mean, like, just like technically, yeah, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so it allowed them to just do more stuff. Oh, and I think Sammy Hagar is more of a musician. I don't think oh, David yeah. Lee Roth played an instrument. But, but he also wasn't like, in, you know, David Lee Roth, the thing he brought was like the front. Like he, he was the showman. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's never been a front man like him oh, ever yeah. before or since. So. Yeah, when I saw them, when they did the David Lee Roth tour, um, one of the guys I worked with who wasn't able to go because I he had to work because I was going, he's like, you need to take video when David Lee Roth pulls out his samurai swords. And I'm like, 
So you're like, what, what? what are you talking about? He's like, he, he, he always does it. I'm like, well, yeah, but the guy's like 60. I don't think he's doing it. Trust me, he'll do it. And you know what? Sure as shit. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and you know what? That motherfucker. He, he fucking did it. Um, I'll, I'll shout out to uh, Jagged Little Pill because that was an album that was on an early version of the list, but just didn't didn't quite get there. Mm-hmm. But it is a seminal album. It's as good as everyone says it is. You know, it, it is. I, I really, uh, because that was, I mean, oh, how many, how many radio hits came from that album? Like, I mean, you so got, many. you ought to know, obviously, ironic, head over pocket. feet, hand in my pocket. Yeah. It's just like every one was just boom. boom uh, boom. you learn, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that's, that's five. Um, so, I mean, there was, and I got into Alanis Morissette really before she really hit. Mm-hmm. Um, granted that was maybe a month before it was like it's right at the takeoff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got a little burned out on that album. Her second album was great, but, um, my runner up was the, the, her MTV unplugged. It was it's a really great good. album. That to me is the definitive version of you ought to know. I love really. Okay. Yeah. Because awesome. it, 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 it's, it slows down at some parts to let the moments where it builds up be bigger. I don't, I don't know how gotcha. else to, to describe it. So. I, I like, uh, and I think this was from her second. I was hoping mm-hmm. the the version on the MTV Unplugged is like. Really I, good. I don't don't get me wrong. I like that studio version, but damn, the Unplugged version is great. And she's just got the pipes, man. There's something about really good singers. I just feel like bring it more when it's live, mm. and it's there's a, you know what I mean. Not that not that the last more sets a, a bad singer in a studio, but it's just like. Her she, element, her element life. is in front of people, so it's yeah. just I, I feel like she's always gonna sound better to me, mm-hmm. and like the really good ones, I just feel like are gonna sound better because that's their element. It's not singing to a a wall in a studio; it's singing to a crowd of yeah. people. So there's, there's just, I don't know, and it's just Feeding that, off that energy. It's, yeah, it's the energy that comes through. You can feel it sometimes. Like you're not there, but you're just you listening to. It. You can feel the intensity of it. It's so good. Um. That, that I had never mind was another one again. Big Nirvana fan wanted to include them on the list and went with Unplugged and said never mind. But Never Minds is fantastic, and again the radio hits off that album are insane. And you know, thirty years later, Batman movie uses one of their songs, and now they got another song. Like, oh that's something in the way never charted when Nevermind came out, and now it's on the charts for the first time, and, and, and it came out for not, thirty years for, ago. For me, not being the huge Nirvana fan, I always loved that song because it was mm. just had that dark feel to yeah. it. it was... and it's just super muddy. It's yeah. super. Um, I just no. I mean, I have a pile I could go through, but but uh, Tool. Surprisingly, didn't make my list, but Anima, I'm, that surprised me. Uh, Anima's great. Anima would be the the top one for me, and Led Zeppelin four. I loved uh, Ten Thousand Days. That was my Ten Thousand Days. Album. Good because Ten Thousand Days and Wings for Marie, those two songs together mm. are amazing. That's I mean, probably some of my favorite. Oh yeah, stuff there. It's two Ten Thousand Days has got the is it Jombie? Is that what it's called? John, yeah, yeah, Jombie, that so, uh, Pot, Vic- Vicarious is Vicarious, is yeah. amazing. Yeah, that that was my Tool album for sure. That was the one that. Uh, Guitar Hero that that they let him do. Uh, I think Vicarious was it Vicarious? Vicarious pot, is really... Zombie. I think were the three. I mean, and the pot games. was like a pretty good radio hit. As far all as the, all those were, they yeah, got, got some radio play for. I mean, nothing will ever beat Sober. That that Sober was 
they fuck you turn on K Bear, they're still playing that fucking <laughs> couple times well, a day. A, it seems like great one though too. I, I mean, it's a great song, but it's just like good God. <laughs> but you know what are you supposed to do? But yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, it's one of those we could probably sit here all day and talk about. Oh, this yeah. is a good album, yeah. but. <laughs> In, but that's not what it's about. To, yeah, to preserve the integrity of the list. <laughs> that's a, that's that's our list. Let us know uh, what your guys's albums are. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm curious. I'd like to hear those people those people's lists. I'm actually surprised. I love the idea of albums as a whole. Don't tell me like, oh, well, this one has some good songs. Like, no. I like uh, albums as a whole as yeah. one piece. Yep. And. Um, I watched an interview with Paul McCartney one time where he was talking about, you know, he's like, there's pros and cons to everything every time that, you know, the media has kind of changed. But he says, my favorite will still always be the LPs just because he said you had to be strategic in the way that you, the way that you set all of them and ordered everything because it was almost like, okay, what's the first song you want people to hear? What's the last song you want people to hear on the yeah. first side that's going to be good enough to make them flip the record over? And then what's that first song on side two going to be? Oh, yeah. You, the, know, the streaming you, had to, you had to plan it now. Yeah. Like now you could basically just put anything anywhere. But yeah. he's like, back in the day, you had to think about like, okay, this song kind of does this. So we should probably put this one here. To, you, know, you didn't want to have too much of these songs sound similar together. So put one towards the back end of the album. Like all that stuff's just gone now. Yeah, exactly. And that's 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 a bummer, but uh, I guess next time, until next time, we'll see you guys responsibly once again. I'm Tyler. I'm Kylie. Peace out.